Hello. We're back with episode two, and my mic is finally plugged in. <laughs> I just recorded five minutes of an introduction uh, and realized that it was my crappy laptop audio, so whoopsies. But I'm back now. Uh, okay, in this episode, we are going to go over the first week um, of the 75 hard challenge that I've been doing, little insights that I've received, experiences, thoughts, etc. Um, we're also going to talk about sexuality, connecting to the divine feminine, which we all have in us. So if there are dudes listening, don't check out. You also have a divine feminine within you. Just putting that out there. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, I have some an epic meltdown story, which is just hilarious to me now. It was not funny in the moment, but now is gr- a great story. Great. <laughs> Apparently I'm Tony the Tiger today. Um, and I also found some cool journal entries from one a year ago and the other one in the fall that I wanted to share with you as well. So, um, <laughs> where do I want to start? Okay, let's start with the meltdown because I was telling my roommate about it yesterday and both of us were laughing. So, um, it was the full moon in Scorpio last night. Um, and wow, that was a doozy. Um, paired on top with like normal PMS shit for me and lack of sleep and just a whole bunch of other factors. It knocked me on my ass. Um, so Sunday night we had a digital hangout with our friend group and we were playing a bunch of games online like Jackbox, Quiplash, all that. Um, And we decided to play Among Us at the end, like the last one before we all signed off. And I'd never played it before. A couple other people in the group had, I think there was one other person that had never played it. Um, But either way, the first round we played, it was just kind of a test run, being shown through the map, trying to understand what exactly was happening, tips and tricks and all of that. Um, so the second round we played was the real thing. And of course I was the imposter. I am the world's worst liar. Um, I have zero poker face. My face gives me away all the time. I can keep my mouth shut, but I cannot keep my face shut. Um, and I was heckin nervous. I was like, oh my God, they're going to know, they're going to know, they're going to know. And I was like, okay, wait though. Like I could totally play it off of like, well like I've never played this before you know I already get overwhelmed with strategy games and like trying to figure things out I feel like I'm I process too slowly in those situations um so I got I I managed to make it to the last round um and then I was voted off of I think we were in a spaceship but anyways I was voted off and they were correct I was the imposter and in the moment it was like fun that the game was over because I was very stressed about it um but then when they were analyzing after like why they figured out it was me I felt very persecuted and I recognized that it was not their intention to make me feel this way they were just talking about the game it wasn't anything deeper than just analyzing the gameplay that that was literally it um but my tired emotional ass got hashtag triggered. Oh boy. Um, And after I went to bed, 
I had a complete meltdown, like complete meltdown, hysterical crying, sending like um, video to my Snapchat support group, um, that like just all the insecurities that I have ever experienced in my life came to the surface. And I was getting so frustrated with the healing process because I was like, I'm doing so much work. I'm so tired and exhausted trying to manage my mental and emotional state and, you know, do the things that I need to do to take care of myself while also still interacting in my life with other people, right? Like that doesn't just stop because you're healing. You kind of have to learn how to balance and find what works for you. Um, So I could logically understand that what went down throughout the evening had nothing to do with them hating me. However, because I recognized I was triggered, I then started into this spiral of they're going to get so tired of me being emotional, of me needing to be affirmed and validated and listened to. And I was so scared that like, I finally found like my perfect friend group. Like <laughs> I could be friends with them for the rest of my life and be completely happy with that. And there was a part of me that was so scared to lose that because I had experienced trauma in my life and I was now trying to heal that. Even though logically I knew that they understood that they were empathetic and that they wanted to support me my inner child was unable to distinguish between the two. And that feeling of persecution just spiraled me into this ruminative thought pattern of this is never going to end. Like healing for all intents and purposes, like using that term is a lifelong journey just because you acknowledge and recognize what you're going through in the moment does not mean that it goes away it just now means that you know how to respond to it you know what tools to take from your toolbox and apply to these situations to help take care of yourself right like that's what healing is to me is learning skills healthy coping mechanisms and strong connections with people around you to navigate that triggering or that experience with a sense of balance, right? And sometimes that balance is off. That's okay because you just get to keep trying again, right? But that feeling of, oh my God, this is forever. Like, because I chose to live a conscious life, that means that literally the rest of my life is going to be me consciously being aware of how I am experiencing the world, how that is interacting with people around me and managing it. Like it's probably one of the biggest jobs I have ever committed to in my life. Um, And that in and of itself just fucked me up. If I'm being totally honest, I, (laughs) I was kind of inconsolable for a while and I'm really grateful that my Um, support group was available on Snapchat. They helped me work through just like sitting with it, right? They weren't trying to fix it. They weren't trying to do anything. Like it was just 
fucking sucks, man. Like we're, we're just here for you. Right. Um, and being able to also identify with like how much effort and energy it takes to live in conscious awareness. Um, so after that little meltdown, I was like, I have to teach tomorrow morning. Like it's now midnight. I am exhausted because I've just spent the last hour crying. Um, I'm dehydrated. Like I need, I need to go to bed so that I can get up and teach at six 30 tomorrow morning. Um, and I noticed an interesting thought pattern as I went to bed that like I was neutral emotionally. I was fairly neutral. Um, that once I had felt through the emotion, it kind of just flowed through and then it was gone and I was just laying in bed staring at the ceiling and I was really proud of myself for holding space to just exist and not trying to rationalize why I was feeling this way um, and just saying whatever came to mind, even if it sounded whiny, even if it sounded like I was complaining. Um, and even if I had things to be grateful for in the situation, I just allowed myself to break down and it was so therapeutic to do that, um, that it felt like this huge victory. And I started to see that living in neutrality can feel like a celebration, especially if you've lived a life of ups and downs, right? Like that roller coaster, emotional ride, mental ride um, that you can go on sometimes, especially when you're living unconsciously, it's, it's exhausting, right? It takes so much of your energy to go through that process and achieving a state of neutrality or reaching a state of neutrality within your mental and emotional bodies, oh my God, that was like a huge win for me. Um, but the, the, the thought pattern that I noticed was that I was ruminating on like a fantasy of comfort. Um, I found myself thinking about somebody that I find quite comforting to be around and what I would want them to say to me in that moment but then it started like it was helpful at first and within my mind even though I was thinking about somebody else it was still me right like I'm I am both parts of that interaction in my mind because it's only existing in my mind right now so it was kind of like I was telling it to myself but I was attributing this comfort to somebody else who was not there with me in the moment. And I saw for a moment how damaging that illusion can be because suddenly I was attributing these characteristics to this person, which are accurate. That person is very comforting. And I'm sure if I went to them in the situation, they would provide me the comfort that I was looking for. But it was almost like creating an image of this person that they themselves almost like didn't consent to. That I, I was holding them in this expectation because in my head this was real. 
right? In that moment, it did bring me comfort. It did make me feel better, made me feel safe and secure. But in reality, that person was not present for that experience. So it was like having two different realities happening simultaneously in my mind. And the second part of the meltdown came with that realization because I had done a, it was like a Christmas tarot letter that one of my friends did on, uh, I think she announced it on Instagram and Facebook, but her URL is Catherine Evolving now, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she just changed it. Every time I think I know what my friend's names are on, um, like online on social media, they keep changing them. So I'm pretty sure she's Catherine evolving right now. She's huge into human design and she's creating a fantastic tarot course right now um, that'll be launching in June, I want to say. She does full sessions, which I did one for my birthday and holy shit, um, I have never felt so validated or seen in my entire life. Um, after that session, it was just, it was like at the second part of my journey had begun after that session. I, oh yeah, I'm going to have to do a whole other thing about that because there's just so much that I want to talk about that we talked about. Um, but anyway, she had done a tarot um, letter thing <laughs> at Christmas time where she would pick a card, um, channel a written message for you, and she sent it to you in the mail, which, like, that was amazing. I love getting mail. It makes me so happy. Um, but in that letter, she had talked about being aware of the illusions that I create for myself. And that finally clicked um, four months later <laughs> that the illusions I was creating was about the social connection that I had with people. And I kept building up the expectation of my friends to behave in a certain way when I was projecting that onto them. And that illusion, when it would shatter, when I would suddenly wake up to see that although that person carries those traits, I had created basically a false reality about who they are in my life and what they I want to say what role they hold in my life. When that illusion came to awareness, I was devastated every single time. Like I would break my own heart because I felt like we had a closer connection than was actually happening. So that was a very uncomfortable um experience to go through it did not feel good in the moment to admit that to myself I was really embarrassed um I felt a lot of shame and guilt for I want to say like using them without consent like that's what keeps coming to me when I say this because it would affect my relationships with them I would either be over like overbearing or I would be completely removed after the illusion had shattered um so yeah illusions were a big theme um within that meltdown and wow 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 
I did not expect that playing Among Us would be the thing that, like, the final piece in that cycle that was ending, right? Because then the full moon happened. Um, my menstrual cycle is about to start, which I find hilarious um, that it's synced up to the full moon. I feel like a werewolf and it's like the coolest thing ever, which we're going to talk about wolves later. Um, yeah, so that was completely unexpected, but super insightful. And I, I enjoy it now, now that I'm on the other side of it and I've gone through like the purge of that mindset it's been pretty peaceful. I woke up this morning and I was like, wow, I don't think I've ever slept that well before. I had some weird dreams last night. Um, yeah, I'm still not sure on the dreams part of like everything that it means. So we're going to just sit on that for a bit too. Uh, okay, but coming back to the week one of the 75 hard challenge. I'm on day 10, I think now. And you might be thinking, but Nancy, <laughs> that math doesn't add up. Um, and you would be right. One, math is not my strong suit. Um, but I am aware that there has been many more days than 10 since I started. And the reason for this is that I, I needed to take a break. I needed to honor the mental, emotional, and physical rest that I wanted or needed. And what came to me with that was that it was more important for me to finish the challenge completely than it was to finish it in 75 days. So that means if it takes me 150 days to do it, then it takes me 150 days. But on the days that I showed up and I did the tasks on my list, I was present for them. I wanted to be there excuse me, um, and it fulfilled me to be engaging in these tasks. That might not be everybody's approach to it, uh, and that's totally understandable. Everybody has their own way of doing things. But for me, proving to myself that even if I started strong and went hard for the first week and then kind of dropped off, as long as I come back, that is a success to me. So looking at, um, within psychology, it's called self-efficacy and self-efficacy is the belief in oneself to produce a particular outcome. So typically we look at this with imposter syndrome, that those with imposter syndrome, um, generally have a low self-efficacy. They don't believe in their ability to provide or produce a particular result even though they are capable of doing it and they have a behavioral history of completing or achieving whatever it is they're experiencing imposter syndrome with. Um, so that's an interesting dynamic of having a behavior repertoire to support it, but not like still not clicking into that self-efficacy. So that's been a common theme for me, um, especially with imposter syndrome. I quite frequently feel like I don't know what I'm talking about, um, that I'm not qualified to help other people, even though I have an educational background in it. I have life experience in it and I'm good at it. <laughs> My brain still likes to try to convince me that I'm going to get called out, that 
also ties into the feeling of persecution that came up with the Among Us meltdown. Um, so looking at creating a new belief system that one, I can do hard things and two, that I can finish doing hard things was more important to me than just doing it for 75 days straight. I want that time to be committed and intentional. Um, Catherine, again, Catherine Evolving, um, frequently says showing up in purpose, on purpose. And that's how I want to approach this. So um, today is, or I guess, yeah, I did some of the list today. So today's day 10. Um, and honestly, I feel pretty good about it. Because in the time off in between, I've noticed that my self-care improved. My ability to check in with myself and ask what I needed happened much more frequently. I forgot the first half of that sentence by the time I got to the middle of it. So if that was weird grammar, sorry. Um, but <laughs> being able to take care of myself on those off days was a lot easier and I didn't feel as guilty about doing it. So that is a fun takeaway. Um, Okay, we're going to get into the sexuality part right now because that was it that I had for um, the challenge. I'm going to take a little sip of water. If you're listening to the audio version of this, you can't see um, what I'm holding right now. But if you're watching the video version of this, I have a pineapple bottle. Um, it is giant. Um, my whole hand only reaches around like half of the pineapple. I got it at the dollar store a couple years ago, and it is honestly the best purchase I've ever made, I think. Uh, yeah, drinking water out of a pineapple is way more fun. Got to stay hydrated. Um, okay, so let's talk about sex, baby. We're going to talk about sexuality. Um, so I have been on my own path to rediscovering my sexuality and connecting with her again. Uh, recently, I went public with my experiences with sexual assault. Um, and tackling that fear of being seen as a survivor It was uncomfortable going through it, but on the other side, it was like I was finally free of that life, that secret that I had to keep, that I had been holding my whole life. And just saying that out loud, that like, this is something that I went through. This is something that I'm currently dealing with after years of repressing it speaking that out was healing in and of itself for me. That's not the case for everybody. And I can completely respect that. It is 100% your choice, how you choose to disclose, if you choose to disclose about your experiences. Uh, and for me, sharing that with particularly my mom, I was really scared to tell her um, because I knew she would be upset. I knew she would blame herself for not knowing and for not stopping it when it was happening. Um, 
telling her was kind of like the final straw that it was like that tower moment of, oh my God, I don't have to carry this anymore. And everything just crumbling down came when I finally told her. And in releasing that, I made space for my sexuality to step back in and to accept that as a 26 year old woman, I'm allowed to be sexual. I'm allowed to be seen in a sexual state, that it is safe for me to embody this version of myself. And I, I was aware like throughout my life that my sexuality was there, but it kind of felt like a tab that was just running in the back of your desktop. Like <laughs> it's that one that you're like, where's the music coming from? And it's this tab you forgot about from weeks ago that's just, you know, way down deep in the list. Um, finally acknowledging that it was there and finding the tab I was like oh my god like yes I can embody this I can explore this I'm allowed to be this person too like she can finally become a part of my waking consciousness that I can integrate these two selves together um, and I started to think about like the influence of media on sexuality throughout my life, particularly as um, a plus-sized person. Um, my perceptions of sexual desire, including or involving my body, were quite distorted based on what I had seen in the media. Um, and okay, I have a funny note here that I was like, oh, I'm gonna skip it, but like, it's just too good to me. So I was thinking about sexual awakening when I was writing out my outline and the first thing that popped into my head was fucking B stars, man. And I am so I miffed about it because I should not be attracted to a cartoon wolf. And yet here I am longing for Legoshi. And let me tell you, the first time I tried to watch B stars was last spring, I think, with my roommate at the time. Um, she was super into it. I watched the first episode and I was like, nah, this is too weird. I I do not want to be associated with this. Um, and then this year I decided to watch it while I was on break at school. And wow, I see why everybody likes Beastars so much. It is the shit. Um, <laughs> but my awakening through that like it was am I awakening or am I confused like I could not distinguish between the two what was happening and I think in that state of confusion when you're addressing your sexuality and suddenly your perception is challenged it's an opportunity for you to see what you actually believe what you actually want to embody and what has been taught to you over the years um, so with that, the wolf symbols have been all over the place. Um, I've been working with wolf energy, I want to say since Christmas-ish. Um, I've been having a lot of dreams of that, about them. They come up in my tarot readings quite often, uh, just in random posts online or posts that my friends will send me. And it was this feeling of 
like a guardian in the darkness and looking at that symbology symbology symbolism symbolism i think it's symbolism uh looking at the symbolism of the like the cloaked protector almost right like cloaked in darkness in the shadow but all seeing all knowing all powerful that protector allowed me to step into a state of questioning and step into my own perception of sexuality to take that back for myself and to stop defining it by victimhood because I would start any relationship with the disclosure that I was working through sexual trauma or that I had been sexually traumatized and like sex was off the table for me right from the start. Um, And a lot of guys are off put by that, especially online dating, which (laughs) wow, Um, not the greatest environment sometimes. (laughs) Um, But allowing myself to firmly say, even just to myself, that I wanted to form an emotional connection with somebody before adding that dynamic in was terrifying. I didn't think that I was allowed to do that, to state my preferences, because my preferences had always been disregarded in the past or they would be challenged and pushed until I changed my preferences. So it created this weird relationship in my head between safety, intimacy, and connection because the influence that I was receiving externally was telling me that the way to feel safe and secure with somebody was to engage with them sexually when in reality the way that I feel safe and secure with people is physically learning how to be comfortable around them and getting used to touch in a non-sexual way and just physical affection in general right without any underlying motive or desire behind it that desire again is the word that's coming to mind that desire for physical connection and closeness goes way deeper than just a sexual response right like when you look at intimacy and vulnerability for you to be fully present in what sex can encompass is not just smashing your bits together like there's physical safety that comes into play like knowing what it feels like for that person to just touch you being able to feel safe with them comes through 
being vulnerable with them. And although sex is a very vulnerable act, that foundation of stability comes from an emotional vulnerability. Having somebody see you in the vulnerability of sexual intimacy comes with the vulnerability of emotional intimacy because that that moment that expression that physicality is backed by an emotional response right emotions are experienced physically they're not they have a mental response they will trigger a mental interaction when you feel an emotion but an emotion deep down is felt in the body if you think about the last time you were angry and you ask your body to show you what angry feels like your body will show you what angry feels like same thing for happiness sadness arousal like any of these emotions and feelings that you might experience are expressed physically in your existence So having that emotional intimacy and connection with somebody prior to expressing that physically allows you to fully embody your sexuality and share it with another person. There was a lot of fear admitting that that's what I needed and wanted because that's not mainstream right now, right? And there's nothing wrong with hookup culture. If it works for you and it gives you what you need, then that's great. And I am happy that that is an option for you. For me, that doesn't make me feel good. Going through the small talk prior to meeting up with somebody or trying to meet up with somebody feels so manipulative to me because this person is entertaining a conversation about the things that I like and that I want to talk about to sleep with me. That that doesn't feel good to me. That doesn't feel connected. That does not make me feel safe because my history with sexual trauma involves the manipulation of an emotional connection. I've never actually said that out loud. I wrote it down to add into my therapy notes. Um, Yeah, wow. Okay, we're back. (laughs) Allowing myself to expressly state that the relationship I want to have with somebody comes first with learning how to be physically affectionate with each other platonically almost like I think it's called philia the type of love that it is p-h-i-l-i-a that it's affectionate love between family and friends and having that base foundation for me 
is vital to me feeling safe. I have to train my body or show my body what it feels like to be around you and check in to see if there is a discomfort where that's coming from. Is it a discomfort because my mind is ruminating on past experiences and expecting that this situation is going to be the same? Is it a discomfort because I'm picking up on a behavior or a dynamic that is similar to something I've experienced in the past and that's my body's way of warning me that, hey, maybe we shouldn't engage with this person? Um, There's a lot of questioning that goes on in learning how to be physically safe with people. Uh, So looking at sexuality, I was reminded of why I went back to school last year. I... So back in my undergrad, it was first year, I don't even remember what class I was in, but I remember sitting at my desk looking at a PowerPoint presentation and they were talking about all the different things, like all the different career paths we could choose with our degree. And I was so enthralled by being a sex therapist because it, like it felt connected for me, but I was not ready at that time to acknowledge that if I was to lead other people through their journey, or if I was to walk with them, I first had to walk with myself. Uh, So I just kind of put it on the back burner. I thought that people were laughing at me when I said it out loud. I think people were kind of taken aback. Um, And whether that had to do with me being the one saying it or their own understanding of sex and sexuality. That's kind of in the air. I have no answer for that because I don't know both sides, but I had just put it on the back burner. And since I've been exploring this side of me again, I was reminded that when I finished this degree, I will have so many more tools to be able to help people through this experience. But that means that I have to walk my own journey first, right? So learning how to be, how to engage with intimacy and vulnerability before adding in another person first starts with yourself. It first starts with emotionally like being emotionally present with yourself it first starts with being emotionally present with yourself and vulnerable admitting to yourself what you're feeling why you're feeling it what triggered it having that conversation internally will help you learn how to connect with others and to share your experience and the next part of it 
is relearning physical touch. For me, that was touching my body in a way that was gentle. And this is where um, being a plus-sized person comes into play. This was probably one of the biggest hurdles for me in terms of healing was learning how to be seen sexually in a bigger body because the narrative that I had internalized about my body was that it was disgusting, that it was less than, that if anybody was directing sexual attention at me that I should be grateful whether I wanted it or not. And that I had to settle because nobody would ever truly want to fuck the fat girl basically like that that was the voice that was in my head I know that's crude and that that was the narrative that was going on that like unless you lose weight nobody's ever going to be sexually attracted to you and you'll never have a successful relationship because you're disgusting and you know if if you wouldn't even want to be with you then why would anybody else want to be with you and that exact thought of if you don't want to be with yourself right now, why would anybody else want to came up in my meltdown on Sunday? Because I did not want to be there during the meltdown. I wanted to check out. I wanted to numb it. I wanted to shove it down. And I did not want to support myself through it. And that thought of, if I don't want to, why the hell is anybody else going to? Was so toxic in my mind because that's just simply not true. That's just simply not true. There is no evidence to support that belief. So learning how to find myself desirable, to connect with my own self-expression of intimacy started with just touching my body. Really, honestly, literally, like just touching my arms, touching my legs, all the parts of myself that I was super insecure about, suddenly finding, not suddenly, fuck, it took so long (laughs) to get to this point. It's been like two years of on and off and back and forth and redirection and distraction um, to come to a point that I'm no longer poking, pinching, hitting, punching, squeezing the parts of myself that I hated. It was mostly my stomach and my thighs. And I would imagine like cutting cutting them off, just removing them completely. I would have dreams where I went in for surgery to just cut off all of the parts of my body that I hated and that I was told I should hate because they looked different and they weren't flat. And those dreams were, God, they were horrific. Like they were so painful. And I remember like thinking in the dream, like I deserve this. I deserve this pain. I deserve this whole other trauma in and of itself because I am not worthy of a safe, happy life until I'm in a smaller body. So learning how to hold space for myself, to see myself in a sensual way, not even sexual, but in a sensual way, was a game changer 
for the first time in my life, when I look at myself in the mirror, I love every single part of me. That's not the case every day. Sometimes I have to remind myself and direct love at certain parts of my body. But overall, right now, I am happy with my body. I'm grateful for my body because even if she's fat, she is there every morning to support me when I wake up. She's there in every step that I take, every breath that I take. She's never given up on me. So why would I give up on her? I was talking to a friend, um, I think it was a couple weeks ago now, and I was really feeling myself that day. I had like a cute little bralette on, nice little shorts, like I was on cloud nine, 11 out of 10, hottest I've ever been in my life. And I texted her saying, I love being fat. Like, I honestly love it. I was looking at myself and I was like, oh my God, my back rolls, so cute. I just, I want to like squeeze them in the way that like when you see a really chunky cat, you just want to like, oh, you just want to squeeze it. Like that cute aggression. I was giving myself cute aggression looking at my own body. And after I had gone through that, I was like, wow, that that was so cool. Like, I have never looked at my body, seen all the quote imperfections that existed and said, fuck it. I love them anyways. Whether they're imperfect to somebody else or not, they are perfect to me. I feel good in my body right now. I feel strong. I feel safe. I feel supported. And I love how squishy my body is. Man, I'm a walking pillow. I am like cuddle buddy number one because no matter what part of me you lie on, boom, you're comfortable. For cats, amazing. I have got pillow thighs. You can knead on them. You can like snuggle into them. You got a cute little pillow with my tum-tum. What's not to love? Right? What's not to love about your body? Not based on anybody else, but based on your perception. What's not to love? I feel alive in my body. And by physically releasing the scores of trauma, I again was able to make room for a new relationship with my body. I recently started reading The Body Keeps the Score. Shoot, who wrote that? I should check who wrote it. I'm gonna check. I'ma check, I'ma check, I'ma check, I'ma check, 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 check. Ba-da-ba. Bessel van der Kolk. Learning how trauma leaves a physical scar, not just an emotional and mental scar, but a physical repression deep within your body. Showed me that 
the sexual trauma I had experienced was holding me back from being able to fully embrace this new relationship. And within the yoga practice that um, I teach, but also just my own personal practice, I try to create a space that is trauma-informed and hold space for the emotions and thought patterns that come up when you start moving your body in physical ways or in certain physical ways. So taking that physicality and jumping over or back into sexuality, um, dance has been one of the most, I want to keep saying freeing. It's been challenging, but I feel free when I dance, when I move my body in whatever way it wants me to, when I, when I shake my hips, when I sway them when I move them back and forth when I tilt my pelvis when I'm allowing my spine to flow freely with the movement and my arms I mean I kind of look like one of those things in front of the car dealerships most of the time when I dance but allowing my body to physically explore the frequency of motion in my body has been connecting me to that sensuality that I had closed off from myself. I had internalized that it was not safe for me to dance because I'm unable to not connect to my inner feminine when I dance. Like I just, I can't, I can't ignore her. She shows up as soon as I start. She's like, hey girl, hey, like we're hanging out. Let's go have a party. And I can't say no to that anymore. I can't say no. And I don't have to. And neither do you. You're allowed to express yourself physically through movement. It is safe for you to express yourself physically through movement. Sit with that for a second. And if that statement does not resonate with you, what does? What are your feelings about movement? What are your beliefs about movement and your ability to engage in it? What do you feel safe doing? Maybe it's not dance for you, right? Movement can be any range of activity. It doesn't even have to be an organized activity. But what makes you feel connected to your body in a way that is safe for you? Because embodying that feminine, and this goes for men too, embodying that feminine energy comes with learning how to be safe in your body. And interestingly, what I've come to learn is that the masculine energy that we all carry, the action-oriented, 
solution-focused, problem-solving planner needs to step back. He needs to hold space for the feminine to come in and express herself, to connect herself. Right, That feeling of safety and security comes from within. That is your masculine and your feminine being in alignment with each other and understanding that it is safe for the masculine to step back from the protector role. And I say protector in the terms of active protection. It's not to say that the feminine is not involved in the protector role, but that's not her main engagement with you. She is that free-flowing, creative, life force energy. And not just life as in procreation life, but the feeling of being alive, that feeling of being connected is your feminine. Creation, art, creativity, sexuality, they are all processed through the same center in the body. They are inseparable You can repress certain aspects, but they're still there. You're just not engaging them, right? So allowing that masculine to step back and let the feminine come in and do her thing is where we start to build that connection with self. That first step of intimacy comes with feeling safe in your body, mind, spirit and often when we look at self-care we look at the pretty highlight reel online we look at face masks and bubble baths and uh, foot soaks and you know colorful smoothie bowls and things that look pretty in a feed but it's not the only way to care for yourself they are equally valid But there's that mental and emotional care that also needs to happen. Sitting down and working through emotional and mental patterns with yourself is another step of that intimacy and vulnerability. And that combined with the physical is what creates that well-rounded feeling of safety for you or within your existence that intimacy is multifaceted so first cultivating that within yourself to a certain degree right I'm not saying you have to be 100% I believe that partners um, and friends can help you learn how to express that part of you and to be seen in that state by another person that in and of itself has its own healing power and that is another step on the journey and on the path that is sexual reawakening or just awakening in general right that's part of it and it can be very impactful But it's not going to be everlasting unless you also cultivate that within yourself. There will be a disconnect 
that happens because now you're dependent on somebody else to provide you with that safety. And again, it's okay to learn with and from other people. But ultimately, we're coming back to self. We're learning, we're experiencing these things to then integrate into our own interactions with self. Because at the end of the day, you are the only person that is going to consistently be there in your life. You wake up with yourself every day in the morning. You go through your entire day with yourself and you end the day with yourself. You are there for all of it. You are the only person that is going to be there for all of it. So yes, absolutely connect with other people, foster those relationships, build those connections. Just don't forget to do that same thing with yourself. Um, so I'm looking through my notes. I'm looking through my notes. I'm looking for my notes. Okay, so I have, I'm going to end up, end up, I'm going to end here um, and wrap up is what I was trying to say uh, with those two journal entries that I found. So I'm going to read you the first one from fall of 2020 and then I will read you I want to say it's like end of September October and then I will read you the one from March 2020 I am free peace requires finding comfort in your fears rather than avoiding them or pushing them away we aim to sit with them ask why they're here what are you trying to show me what are you trying to protect me from we have a tendency to build a narrative where we are bound and chained to our fears, but in reality, we are bound to the expectation of what we think will happen if we release them. All too often, we identify ourselves by past experiences that caused us deep pain, and naturally, we wish to avoid that same outcome. However, by holding that pain, we create further turmoil. Today, we ask you to sit down and write a list of your fears. Are they rooted in the present or are they rooted in the past? Remind yourself that you get to choose where your focus lies. Acknowledge the fear, thank it for being here, and reassure it that you can protect yourself now and provide comfort. I love when the royal we comes up. I always know that I'm channeling and speaking directly to source because it's an all-encompassing experience. It's not just about me. It's a collective understanding of self. And although that self might be expressed and understood individually from person to person, we're all on some journey of discovery. Some people are unconsciously walking that journey and others are actively awake. But it's all it's all collective. We are all the same I want to say God source energy within us. Yes, we're human beings, but 
we're all fractions of the same creation. We're just different expressions, different multitudes. All right, I'm going to finish off with my journal entry from March 30th. And this one, <laughs> fucking kill myself sometimes. It's so funny. All right. Dear diary, <laughs> if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Here comes the montage of teenage girls journaling in this perfectly designed room. Well, guess what, 13-year-old me? We fucking got it, baby. Right now, I am sitting, no, lounging on what is possibly the most comfortable bed you've ever slept on. You will have slept in many a place by now, but none feel quite like this. Anyway, bed aside, we are lounging in our beautifully decorated bachelorette paradise. <laughs> We've got a spa zone, a colorful library, art from your favorite artists. Psst, those great artists are all your best friends. Crazy, right? Basically, all those lives you dreamed up, based on all the stories and movies you see, is already yours. It doesn't look like it does physically, and it doesn't have a Hollywood budget, but it feels better than all of that looks. Plus, your sense of design is fucking awesome, so we make it work. Your space grows with you, and man, do we grow a lot. In the year and three months you've lived here so far, you have gone through so many lives and versions of you. It's been so cool watching it happen. I'm so proud of us. We made it through some unexpected, painful moments, and somehow it now feels like a distant memory, locked away to be viewed only through the lens of a dreamlike state. On this day, you had a huge breakthrough. You stopped long enough to see and hear that you were already living the story of your life's greatest love. And it's not who you think, because it's everyone and it's no one. All of them are a shard of the broken mirror that you are trying to put back together to see your reflection, the true one not the one with the eyes glazed over. Each person you'll love in a different way, and each one will help you see a different part of yourself. Some will be harder than others to admit, but you'll get there. Soon. Right now, us is going to start learning how to teach others to start their own rebuilding. It's a little bit scary to think about, but we wouldn't feel pulled to it if we couldn't do it. Each of these people you meet will help you see who you truly are so that you'll know your twin. It might not look how you think, but it'll feel the way that you know. That won't make sense until it happens, but when you know, you know. And when you know, you won't have to think. But you have to spend that time looking at yourself because you need to do your part. You already know how she looks. You've just forgotten. It's okay, we all do. It's part of the plan. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing it right. I'll see you later. Love you. Nancy. P.S. Look how cool our signature is. <laughs> I used to spend hours writing my name over and over again to get my perfect signature. So I'm proud to say that we now have the perfect signature for our name. Um, the twin business. I was a little bit obsessed with the twin flame journey. Um, and that very much stemmed from a codependency of needing another person to provide me with support. 
So my views on uh, the twin flame journey have shifted dramatically since I wrote this. Um, and I'm not even, anyways, different thought. My laptop's about to die. So it's a perfect place to end this because <laughs> uh, my charger's not in this room. But uh, I feel like there was a lot that went in here. I'm going to have fun editing this. Um, yeah, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for listening and for holding space for me to experience and talk about these things in my life that I'm seeing, that I'm perceiving. And I hope that what we talk about here can be of benefit to you in some way, even if that's just questioning, or even if that's just admitting that everything might not be as it seems. That is good enough for me. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much again. Um, I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.